everybody to the moose room we have the gruesome twosome here today myself and dr joe bradley is off being important and and teaching the bright young minds of future animal scientists and we are joined by a very special guest our first celebrity guest i would say <laughs> on the moose room uh to help close out our mental health series for may mental health awareness month we are joined by minnesota commissioner of agriculture tom peterson welcome to the moose room tom Great to uh, join you. I definitely uh, listened to quite a few episodes over the course of time and really enjoy uh, listening. So it's great to join you. Well, we are are super glad to have you on and super happy to hear that you listen to the Moose Room. So because you are a listener, you might know what's about to happen. We ask all of our guests the same two questions, the super secret questions. But if you're a listener, they're not that secret. So <laughs> we're just going to dive right into them. My first question for you, Tom, what is your favorite breed of dairy cattle? Well, I always like Ayrshire. It was kind of my oh. favorite. And uh, my family uh, growing up had milking shorthorns and then switched to Ayrshires. And there was quite a community of Ayrshire breeders. And, you know, the, the Holsteins have really grabbed hold. And I, I still love that there's a few here and there. And that's, I don't know, just something that I liked about them. So that's my favorite and, and uh, always a great question. All right. Is that our first Ayrshire, <laughs> Joe? What? Where are we at it on is. the totals? Now? It's got to be different. Yeah. yeah. Get on the board there. Got to so. be different. different. Yep. Yeah. So updating the totals, that puts Holsteins at 17, unfortunately still on top. Jersey's at 13, Brown Swiss at six, Montbelliard at three, Dutch Belted at three, Normandy at two, Milking Shorthorn at one, Ayrshire at one, and one Guernsey named Taffy. All right. We're well, glad to be a little right. different. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm interested to see how you answer the next question. <laughs> What's your favorite breed of beef cattle? Yeah, beef cattle. You know, I'm just going to have to go with the boring Angus cattle, but I always have loved Angus, uh, black Angus. And uh, I grew up, uh, my uncle had a black Angus farm and in, uh, in sales, and I'd always help him with his bull sale out in Groton, South Dakota, and just really got to love the Black Angus. And I've had quite a few over the years myself. Well, so not as exciting, but yeah. Not, no, but not Joe is different. happy. Joe is happy. He's I'm quite pleased. This is a, this has become a great episode. Um, <laughs> Black Angus with 14 now. Herford's at eight. Black Baldy at four. Scottish Highlander at three. Belted Galloway at two. Red Angus at two. And then all with one. Stabilizer, Galvi, Brahmin, Keen, Nina, Charlay, Simiton, Deloria, Jersey, Normandy, Shorthorn, Belgian, Blue, and Brangus. Whew, got through them all there. It's getting it's getting longer every week, and I, I feel like one day I'm not going to be able to do it on one breath. Uh, it just keeps getting longer. Well, now, now that we've gotten our, you know, regular housekeeping uh, for our guests out of the way, let's dive in. And before we really get into it, I have... Maybe a silly question, but I think, you know, a lot of people are aware that each state has their commissioner of agriculture. And Tom, I'm wondering if in 30 to 60 seconds, you can give us the, what do you do as commissioner <laughs> of agriculture, right? I think yeah. people are curious about that and, and we all have our ideas, but, but how would you explain what you do? That's a great question. So I serve uh, Governor Walls, I'm, I'm appointed by Governor Walls to oversee our Department of Agriculture. I'm one of 
24 different commissioners. There's, you know, health, transportation, deed, all the different ones. I oversee the department and we have a, you know, over a hundred million dollar budget per year, 500 employees. You know, I'm kind of the chief cheerleader for agriculture in our state, a promotion of our agricultural products, uh, but also uh, regulation of uh, different products, whether it's pesticides, fertilizers, grocery stores, uh, making sure our food is safe to eat. And then uh, a lot of different things you might not think of, like emerald ash borer, gypsy moss, mm-hmm. a lot of different things like that. So just a really great position to have. There's definitely challenges all the time, but it's uh, quite an honor to serve as commissioner. So what you're saying is you don't really do much of anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> Most days. No, it's, yeah. uh, it, it's, you know, agriculture in Minnesota is so diverse. We're uh, really blessed to have about equal cattle and crops uh, across the state and, and very diverse and it's a unique, uh, always challenges every day. Yes. And I feel like I, I follow Tom on Twitter and I feel like he is always somewhere. He is always doing something. He is all over the state in a week. Really, really incredible. And I have just been so grateful for the work that you've put in as commissioner and especially, you know, the work that you and, and the Department of Agriculture has put into addressing mental health and farm stress. I always say this and I truly believe it. I think Minnesota kind of leads the nation in this type of work. And I think a lot of that has to do with our efforts from the Department of Agriculture. So why don't you give us just the overview (laughs) of what sort of work or or what really gets you excited about working on mental health and agriculture and, and why it's important to you? Yeah, you know, and thanks, Emily, and, and thanks for all your work. You know, I think you've really, when I talk to people, I know that there's people that talk to you and it's, it's you know, it's got to be a team effort because I always think we need every farmer. And I really got into mental health too when I was working for Farmers Union and actually I got more involved working through extension on the uh, Farmer Lender Mediation Program, which actually is authorized through the department, through the USDA, funding comes back to the extension but the farmer lender mediation program is so important. Many of these things that we have were put in place in the 80s as I was uh, just starting out farming, but watching a lot of my neighbors struggling and we had you know suicides and you knew a lot about all of that. And so I had that in my background. Uh, and then as I got into lobbying for the uh, Minnesota Farmers Union, many times uh, you know the bankers, different folks would wanna end farmer lender mediation. And we'd say how important that was, you know, but it wasn't the only thing that we needed. We also at the department have 10 farm advocates around the state. That was also a program that was built in the 80s. And uh, uh, farm advocates for me are kind of a first call for help. Farmers will call me and say they are entering bankruptcy. They, uh, they're down to $1,000, can't put gas in their combine to harvest their crop. You know, how do they do? To me, farm advocates kind of buy them some time. So they're they're free, much like our mental health counselors we'll talk about in a minute, but they're just a wonderful resource. And you can find those at our department website. And many of those have experience dealing with those problems. And so at the legislature, I'd always fight for their funding, you know, and see the importance. And you really would hear all these stories of mental health. And then along the way, we were able to add two counselors, uh, Ted Matthews and Monica McConkie, who are just wonderful individuals and have such a great piece that they're able to offer through that mental health. Uh, and, uh, and then as I got to be commissioner, I got to oversee a lot of this and really build and add. And, and so that's been really helpful, whether we added our, our farm and uh, rural helpline, 
we've added text to that. And like you said, I think it's, I don't always say it's, it's uh, I'm proud that we lead the nation in it and we recognize it, but it's also, it's, it's really needed. You know, I, I know a lot of farmers and I, I've known way too many that have taken their own lives. And I think about just in the last year, it's usually, and I hate to say this, male many times, but in the last year, I've known two females that are farmers that have taken their lives. And it, man, it just like, you can never let up on it. So it's a really a passion for myself and, and unfortunately had a lot of uh, experience with it. As, as I kind of understand it, I feel like when there is a, a farmer suicide in Minnesota or even, you know, a farm safety accident, you're one of the first calls. I think you're, you know, one of the first people that finds out about this and that carries a lot of weight, especially when it's a death by suicide. So I'm, I'm curious if you're willing to share, you know, a little bit about how you handle those situations and, and what sort of, of support are you able to offer to these families who are dealing with a death by suicide? You know, I, I just think that, um, the, the warning signs, you know, people always say as they, they saw, you know, that they were, um, coming, you know, and, and one of the things I think you and I've talked about before too, is like getting people help and asking them or seeing if they need it, but then asking again or, or, or two or three times, you know, you know, I, it's hard. Cause I'll feel like, geez, I missed that, you know, or, or the family, they, they could see they were working hard, but that stress is just overwhelming. We talk about farming. I know it myself being by yourself, you don't always want to ask for help. So I think that's mm-hmm. where getting support, getting some them, somebody to talk to right away is, is very, very important, you know, and, and you see people that they become advocates themselves, you know, for wanting to tell this story, but making sure they have that. But I also think too, there's a lot of success stories. One of the best ones I always tell people is I, I was at a farm picnic a couple of years ago and I had a farmer who's 85 years old. And I say, you're always a dad, even at 85. And he came up to me and he said they were having to sell their dairy herd and his son, probably 50 years old. And he put his uh, pointer finger to his temple and he said, I think Junior's thinking about this and kind of used his thumb as a trigger and said, I think he's thinking about this. He said, I don't know what to do. And, you know, it was a Saturday and I got a hold of Ted and we got him some help and talked and and made a plan and got help with the farm advocates. And, and he's still here today, you know, so when you think about like how this is, how it works, you know, and we're able to help people. I try to balance that too, as well, but man, those, they're tough. It can't be easy to deal with those situations. And, and I'm glad that you were so definitive in your action in a situation like that, because I think you're right. The, the bit hardest part about some of these things for the people that are left behind is thinking about all the things they could have done differently. And I'd much rather have some hard feelings from someone by asking too many questions or, or being a little pushy rather than regret not doing that later, uh, which can be, you, you can't second guess yourself on that. When you get that bad feeling or you feel it in your gut, it's real and you need to act on it. So I'm glad that you, you did. That's, that's a powerful story. Yeah. And it really speaks a lot to, again, kind of going back to how Minnesota in this state, we approach this, um, that it, it's a thing where luckily it, it's not taboo. It's not swept under the rug. Tom, you, you got that information from that individual and, and you acted on it. And I think that that's a really important piece. And, you know, for me and in, in a lot of the suicide prevention work I do, I always repeat the message of, 
you know, this is everybody's business and anybody can help prevent the tragedy of suicide. And we don't need to be, you know, mental health experts or clinicians to, to help. And, and so I think that you illustrated that really nicely. Uh, so that's a great story. I feel like we cannot talk about the Department of Eggs work in farm stress without mentioning former Moose Room guest, Meg Moynihan. We had her on last May to share about her story and her work, but you have uh, staff and a lot of people in the department that are really working on these topics full bore and, and Meg is one of them and what an outstanding advocate she is. And I'm just so glad that you guys have her at the Department of Ag to, to do the work that she does. And she's a close friend as well. So it's just incredible to see all the work that, that comes out of this and the, the true team effort, like you were saying, that it takes to do this type of stuff. Yeah, it really does. You know, that's such a great team effort is really helpful because we have so many different folks, but Meg really does lead our effort. You know, Meg Moynihan is somebody farmers have known. You know, I've worked with Meg for probably 20 years. She was our organic coordinator at the department for a long time and just knows a lot of farmers. And then just her story of being a farmer herself and going through that stress and just really caring, you know, and, and really trying to think of, uh, you know, some of the best things that we've done are uh, uh, down on the farm suicide uh, training awareness where you, we bring in maybe pastors and uh, milk haulers and co-op uh, folks to a seminar to look at, you know, what are those signs and Meg's led that effort. And I think we've had hundreds of people attend that and you know, so important, but Meg's always thinking, you know, Meg's work too led the department last year to get a half a million dollar grant uh, that uh, partners with a lot of different folks to help lead this work with us. And you can't undercut that, but just to have somebody like Meg who cares and understand and who's, who's not afraid to talking about being through it herself, you know, it is so important. So it's a, it's great to have Meg as well. And I just want to mention that funding, the initiative from the Department of Agriculture is called Ben Don't Break. And Extension has been very fortunate to receive yeah. some of that funding that has helped us do training on ambiguous loss in farming, training with rural and farm youth on stress management, all sorts of, of really great stuff. And another piece in that is a piece I've been working on, which is basically a module for youth to teach them about healthy habits in farming. And we kind of call it on the side, horsepower is not therapy, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're getting really frustrated with your parents on the farm, you don't want to be tearing out of the yard on the ATV to go clear your head because that's not safe. And so for me and Tom, I know you share my opinion on this. <laughs> and that is that that mental health is is also a farm safety issue. And I know what an advocate for farm safety you are and how important that is to you. You and I have always been on the same page that farm stress and mental health really plays into that farm safety side too. Yeah, you know, Emily, I just couldn't agree more. As I looked into some of the statistics that come from Purdue University does some great studies, uh, you know, and I look at, as, as you mentioned, when we see accidents around the state and I talk to the families, the one thing that really stood out to me was they would say he was working too hard. He knew he shouldn't have done that. He should have told somebody he was going into the bin. He shouldn't have 
gone on that incline with the tractor. He just, uh, you know, and I do that too. When I'm stressed out on my farm, I'll work a lot. I'll be, keep myself very busy. I'll clean the barn. I'll work on things. It just helps me, but it also is, I maybe cut corners, you know, and that has led us at the department to create a, a kind of an ad hoc farm safety working group that I wanted to do. We meet four times a year and again, led by Suvon Bank at our department does a great job. And just helpful for us to keep the ball up in the air. And we've had yourself uh, extension, the farm groups, and, you know, I'm really pleased by the effort that we have in Minnesota, great team effort, you know, and a great team effort from the farm groups, whether it's farmers union or farm bureau and the soybean growers have been very involved in helping us fund a lot of these programs, but the farm safety, we've been also able to get some grants into uh, tractor rollover and now grain bin safety and just uh, again really really helpful and and i think we have cut down the last couple of years knock on wood but it's just uh again uh something we got to keep the ball up in the air stress definitely contributes to that stress is a, is a topic that we talk about a lot on this podcast and how all the different ways that we handle it we've talked about earlier this month i mean it, it seems like farmers take stress and they channel it into more work. Like you were just talking about, it's just work harder and it'll go away, even if it actually won't just by working harder. That's really the case when we talk about a lot of the things that have been going on lately in the state, like the, with the drought last year and with all the rain we've had this spring, the extreme weather, tornadoes, everything else. I mean, you can't just work harder to make those things not happen, right? They're going to happen. And I know you you travel around the state. I follow you on Twitter as well. You travel all over the place talking to people about severe weather and, and big advocate of what to do about the drought and make sure that you're not ignoring it last year. Can you talk about your role in that kind of thing when we're talking about um, these kind of events happening more and more often? Yeah, I mean, you just look at I was just thinking, you know, since I've been commissioner, I think 2019, we had the wettest year on record. 2020, of course, we had COVID, which really tipped our food supply up on end. And then 2021, we had a worst drought we've had since 1988, 80% of the state in D2 or above drought. And then uh, this spring, the wettest spring and also the windiest year on record. And so you just look at, you know, in the, in the duration a couple of weeks ago that we had here, you know, man, farmers have had a lot thrown at them. So what we try to do is respond, really listen to what we hear. And that's why I feel like it's important for me to be around and be connected. And, you know, social media is an interesting thing. I think as commissioner, one of my favorite things is to check social media because I can see who's got their corn planted, who's got their soybean, who hasn't started yet. What, and I can see in all parts of the state. So you, you know, and then to be able to get those travel and, and have farmers uh, text you, I was just telling Emily, I had a farmer in Stearns County text me this morning as corn's done, you know, and so, but it's, it's getting late, you know, we also have farmers that don't. And so what I try to do as commissioner is see like, what are some things we can do to help? And so like Governor Walls, uh, we uh, asked him to waive uh, trucking regulations for fertilizer this last couple of weeks uh, for hours of service. So we make sure farmers, when they're ready to go, they're not waiting. We try to uh, make emergency loans available. Not that farmers need another loan, but uh, in those situations, like with the duration last week, we're going to meet and, and see if we can make some zero interest loans available to help plug those gaps. We uh, sometimes have to ask for secretarial designations and we have to go through all those things, but to be as connected and be as responsive as possible. I talked to a farmer last week who in the last month has gone through a high path avian influenza. 
He got hit by the ratio, lost a half a million dollar uh, bin uh, system, brand new on his farm, and then he still hasn't planted his crop yet. So you think, man, they got some stress there. So whatever we can do to help out is uh, try to stay as connected and move as quickly as possible. And I, I think that's the thing that I appreciate the most is, is this effort to listen. This is a big state. You know, it's seven, eight hours from north to south, which you've driven a hundred times. And it's hard to make everyone feel like they're being listened to. The, the fact that you do get around the state, you're on farm, you see things in person, and it does make a difference. And I think that that when farmers feel like they're being listened to, they're a lot more likely to be patient, as patient as they can be. And, and even just the fact that someone is listening relieves some of that stress. So I do appreciate that. And I think it it all fits really into all the work that you guys have been doing to try to make it feel like we aren't forgetting about rural Minnesota. This is a this is a big deal. It's a big deal to the state and they matter enough that we should be dedicating resources to it. I kind of feel bad too sometimes because I'll get way into, you know, Northwest Minnesota and, and you hear this a lot, Northwest or far Southwest and the people will be just so thankful that you stopped there, that you made the trip there, you know, and I always feel as commissioner, it's as important that I go to there as I do the, my local FFA chapter. And yeah, it's a long drive and everything, but it's so worth it. And it, it's the best part of my job is to be out there and hearing from people. I can't count how many times I've been told and reminded that Brainerd is central Minnesota. <laughs> it's that's central Minnesota. So you can't call Correct. it up north. And if you're in the cities, you are in Southern Minnesota. And I, and whenever I travel up North, that is all I hear, which is good. It's good to be reminded. A, a thing I want to go back to that you said, Tom, is just this idea of showing up, you know, when there is a derecho, when there is a barn fire, when there is a death, when there is an accident showing up. And I think that that is a really big piece in the mental health puzzle too, for a lot of people, just mm -hmm. knowing that, hey, these people that are, you know, have offices down at the Capitol, they care. They, mm -hmm. they care about what's happening here. And I think that for all of us, we all are job, all in jobs that require a lot of mileage and driving. <laughs> but I think that, yeah, showing up is such an important part of our jobs. And for a lot of people, yeah, just, just your presence can, can be really helpful. And it is just so helpful too to see, you know, different things on that. You know, I've tried to do a little different thing where not just visiting farms, but I, I try to visit mayors of small towns or county commissioners and then have them show me their town and have them show me what's unique about it. And uh, because usually when I'm there for something, I'll say, hey, do you have an extra half hour to just kind of show me whether it's in uh, Marshall or Lake Benton or Crookston, you know, and it's interesting to look at it through the local government because I think they're very proud of their farmers and their people and everything's different, but just uh, that you take time to learn and, and see. And it, it's, again, just super helpful. And, you know, you know the, the hard thing, Emily, is sometimes there's not things that we can do, you know, and so mm -hmm. the showing up part and understanding is maybe right now we can't do something, but maybe down the road. And so just making those connections is important. And that's hard too when you're when there's nothing you can do. And you know, and speaking of stress, and that's why I say like you know asking too many times because a lot of times when farmers will call, you know, it's um, it's almost too late by the time they mm -hmm. call an advocate or they they say they're going to go into mediation. And you man, if they would have called two weeks before or three weeks, and that's why a lot of times I'll ask a second time because I'll have a farmer who will call me and say. 
you know, I'm really having a hard time and I'll say, man, you know, call the advocate, you know, and they'll, and they'll call me back the next week. I said, did you call the advocate? And they'll say, no, I haven't. You know, and I said, I'm telling you, call the advocate. And then I don't know how many times they'll call me back after they finally talk to them. They say, thank you so much. And I, I've done this enough times to realize that, that, uh, you know, it helps. So just got to keep at it. In a pleasant surprise, Bradley is out of class <laughs> and now has been able to join us. Yes, so. our other celebrity guest has joined <laughs> <Yes>. us. <laughs> I, I showed up. I, I showed up, right? You know, that's what you said, to show up. So I yep. showed up. Show Sorry, up. I'm late. I was on a call with some sassy cow people. Emily knows what sassy cow is. I don't know. It's a creamery uh, in Wisconsin that processes milk on farm and stuff. So I, I did not know what sassy cow was. So when you first said that, I was like, you just were on the call with some like very sassy, yeah, some very sassy people cow. that happen yes. to own cows. Okay. All right. Well, you. let's, let's regroup <laughs> let's, here. So that we digress. Yeah. So Bradley, I, I know you missed what we've been talking about so far, but do you have any questions for the commissioner? Put me on the spot. Wow. Yeah. No, uh, I, I, I don't, but I, I appreciate just the last few minutes learning about, you know, showing up and stuff and, and working with the farmers in the state of Minnesota and many different avenues, you know, working in a, a lot of different industries in Minnesota would be actually quite fun, whether it's turkeys or cows or swine or, and ag department works in a lot of different aspects too, and not just livestock. Cause that's what we think about, or I think about all the time as livestock, but uh, it can be many different things. Yeah. That would be a fun job to have and, and be able to do that and work with farms all the day. I enjoy working with farms. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Bradley actually, uh, took time very early one morning to visit with me and Morris. And uh, I was out there for another event and, and it was great to just visit. I remember and learned well, uh, just the time we spent together and really important work that you do out there and, and uh, good stuff too, as well. Yeah. We're talking about solar grazing and yep. solar energy and which comes into agriculture, which is always an interesting topic. Well, I think that a lot of people think like solar one of the first questions they always have is why don't they raise them up and graze underneath them? And, you know, and you have that demonstration there too and everything. And I said, aha, there is, you know, work going on on that. And it's, it is interesting, but it's, it's funny what you learn and what you see. Yeah. Well, I have a, a graduate student now, Sabrina Portner, that's working on trying to grow corn and soybeans and wheat and oats underneath solar panels to see if we can grow crops under them. I see that on the landscape and I think we can utilize the land a little bit differently. No, always interesting. <laughs> so stay tuned for a future episode exactly. about solar exactly. panels. Yeah. Brad shows up and promotes all the others. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Oh no, Joe, you go. No, no, go ahead, Emma. If you're, if you're going to stay mostly on topic, I don't want to break us away. Oh, well, I mean, I was trying to bring us back to topic. So. Okay, do it. Go for it. Go for Brad it. usually comes in and just veers off in yeah, many yeah. Way off ways. And, it's and just who knows chaos. where we might go. All right. So to recollect here, before we started, and, and Tom and I were talking here today, and, and, you know, yes, this is about mental health. And of course, a lot of other things we discussed here today. But one thing I kind of want to go back to is, Tom, you've already mentioned the derecho that we had here recently. And that devastated a lot of parts in, in Western Minnesota, a lot of farms there, in, including the farm where, where Bradley is, where he does his research for the university. 
Brad, I want to start with you. When when you look at storm damage and and think about that in terms of stress, how do you manage that? And and you know what what did you see as a farmer experiencing this? And then Tom, what were you seeing from from the farmers that you were visiting with and and surveying their damage? For me and some of the other farmers around, we were going on adrenaline the first few days because of everything that happened and. Like, you know, I, I went home uh, to be with my family and then got calls afterwards and ran back here and calves are running everywhere. We had trees down, calf hutches blown everywhere. Uh, nothing terrible damaged. You know, we were milking off generator power for four days. But so I had to come back and sort of assess the situation and go. But then you start hearing reports around of, you know, monoslope barns full of 500 cows are just gone. And you know, dairies around us, buildings are down and one milking parlor was out of commission. And so, yes, very stressful for us at that time. So, uh, you know, we, we, we dealt with that and, and worked through it. And basically our team here worked together to alleviate a lot of the issues. So we had kind of that team effort to help alleviate the stress. But man, some of the other operations. I couldn't even imagine the stress and the anxiety that they were going through with, you know, going out and seeing buildings just totally destroyed and barns and milking parlors destroyed. And even in South Dakota, it happened, you know, moving 2000 cows from one dairy to another. I, I, I don't even know how I would cope with that. I, I just can't even fathom that. Boy, when I, you know, just being out there in the couple of farms we visited uh, and hearing the stories, you just look at the mess that they have to endure. Like I just, I wouldn't even know where to start. Uh, you know, I've, I've definitely had storms on my farm and, and had things. And the one, the one great thing to, you know, in this whole thing and kind of gets at this is it is amazing the community help that you get, you know, or the support that you get or the offers you get. And, all of these farms that I talk to are, are, they have neighbors, they have friends, uh, people willing to help. And, you know, and then, you know, and that's a hard one too, is like asking and accepting help. And I can always tell you, just haven't been there before, like just take the help if you, if you have it. And that was a real positive. And to hear the stories we were in Benson, you know, first we were going to go to the Morris area with the governor, but we had, we had heard, uh, you know, different areas were hit hard. There was many places we could have gone, uh, you know, that uh, looked at that that area. So I got texts that morning just how bad it was uh, from many different people and a lot of pictures. We had, oh, you know, many of our employees for the Department of Ag actually live and work on farms. You know, they, they're inspectors or they, they farm part-time or they farm with their family. And so we saw their, their buildings and their damage. And so it was very widespread. And, you know, as a commissioner, I try to re relay that as quickly as I can to Homeland Security and the governor and try to see like, okay, what are the steps that we can take? And a lot of the, in these storms are personal uh, liability insurance and or personal uh, loss insurance. And so working through that, but there are things that the government can do, you know, as well. So, but yeah, just uh, very difficult. And you know, that, that week, actually, it wasn't just the one bad storm. We had several bad storms. I think they said, in FEMA is actually in the state right now, and they said 49 of 80 counties sustained pretty substantial building loss. And, and Bradley said, you know, he kind of hit it on the head. You know, you run off adrenaline right away. 
when I was in practice, we had a, a winter that was terrible and we had so much snow, so built up on the roofs. We, we had buildings collapse and cows were trapped and you have, there's a lot of things that need to happen right away. Same thing with the storm, right? Bradley's going to go out, round up all his calves, try to figure out how to contain the damage, assess, and you run off adrenaline so much. And then it's not like life stops in the spring, especially you still got to plant, you got to get out there. There's all these other things. And I don't know if farmers really have a time to process what happened and, and, and the effects of that stress after that adrenaline wears off probably hits you days to weeks later. Is that your experience, Tom, where it's like, it's maybe almost a delayed or if you don't yeah, even have time I, at all, you know, you know, the first question I think we had, or the governor has was these two farms that we visited, they, you know, keep in mind, this is mid to late May and they hadn't turned a wheel in their field yet nothing had been planted. So not only do they got to get all the debris out of their fields, they need to clean up. They maybe have bins that are holding a lot of corn yet that need to be emptied because they're leaking and you're, you're, everything's a time thing. So you have, you have to prioritize, you know, what are you going to do? You got to get your crop in the ground or you got to get the bin taken down or this can wait or that, you know, it's just amazing. But the adrenaline thing is something you notice because you notice that there was a lot cleaned up right away. You know, that people this said the same thing, like I just got right at it. The insurance company said, take pictures and document it and go. And, but, you know, again, I just can't stress, uh, you know, thinking back uh, the barn collapses, you know, and, and I remember um, those when that happened, a couple of farms needing to move cattle and asking for uh, trucks and trailers and, having so many there within, you know, an hour that they had more than enough, even through the, couldn't get through the snow and anything with that, you know? And so again, just always heartwarming to see the community that supports our farmers too in that. We're making good progress out here. There's still a lot of damage and it's a lot of cleanup and it's going to take a long time with many different issues. You know, I personally, I still have a tree laying on my shed that I just haven't got cleaned up because I buried a tractor trying to get to it. And, you know, we, it was just one thing after another. So it's, there's still a lot of time out here to, to process that, but uh, we're all getting back to it and doing well. Yeah. Farmers, you have to be kind of the, you know, eternal optimist uh, and you have to be creative and uh, and a survivalist. There's many years when I was uh, running my own operation where I, I, I feel like I was a survivalist, you know, where I had to figure out, okay, what, what do I have to do here? And, you know, I have no money. I have limited resources, uh, you know, but you figure it out, you know, and that's the best thing about a farmer too, is you can learn to survive or learn to figure it out. And, but it's good to see we're going to make progress, but uh, it's going to be a while. I think we should, we should switch it over to something a little light. Let's, let's lighter. Let's go lighter. You guys have been involved, really heavily involved in the state fair for a long time, both personally and as the department. How do you see that event and how important it is to Minnesota? And talk personally too, because I know I know you're there in a personal capacity too. Well, I love the state fair. I think the state fair is one of my favorite, you know, pieces. I've been an exhibitor myself with my horses for um, I hate to say this, but it's going on 40 years. I I have had to take the last couple of years off of COVID and my first year as commissioner, hoping to get back at it this year. It takes a lot to take your animals to the fair and get everything ready. And it's, it's funny how people put a lot of pressure on you, you know, and so I'm hoping I can get there, but you know, the relationships that you make and are able to show off uh, at the fair, those relationships are ones that I treasure the the folks that I show. Uh, I, I show horses, but I've shown goats and uh, other things, but 
you make so many friends with everybody that are lifelong uh, friends. And then the ability to show off your animals at the fair is just amazing. You know, that uh, the people that just don't get the chance to see them all the time. And, you know, Minnesota is an agricultural powerhouse. You know, our fair is actually called the Agricultural Society. It's oversaw by uh, county fair boards who are a lot of farmers that's also overseen and Farm Bureau, Farmers Union, different cattle groups all have seats on the governing board of the Ag Society, you know, so it, it, it has good agricultural roots. And I love all the different ag pieces of the fair, especially whether it's our booth or Farmers Union or Farm, Bo Farm Bureau Extension, the Empire Commons, Miracle Birth Center, you know, we, we do show off the ag parts very good. So glad to get back at it. Uh, last year was kind of interesting. I'm, I really pushed to have the fair. I was, you know, as involved as I could be in making sure that we had one. Felt like people could take the precautions. I thought it went off really well. I kind of like the half crowds, you know, uh, myself personally. I, I know like getting back this year will be probably not that. So uh, great to ask Joe, but it's one of my favorite favorite things that I try to do and, and be around. Tom, some people may know this. I know not everybody knows this. What kind of horses do you show? <laughs> well, now I show mostly uh, miniature horses and I have for probably again, almost 30 years, but I also at the same time, I showed Appaloosas and I did barrel racing and Western pleasure and all kinds of different things. In the last almost 30 years, my family is specialized in showing miniature horses. And so something really unique or different, but kind of fun. I love the miniature horses. <laughs> something that I don't think many people know about me. I used to own miniature horses. I had two growing up. That's uh, exciting. Yeah. My, my dairy that. farmer dad, let me have miniature <laughs> horses. So I used to show awesome. them at the county fair and, and yeah. And I just, something about the minis, they just hold a really special place in my heart. And so it's always fun when I get the opportunity to watch you show at the state fair <laughs> and, and see your passion for that. God, I know this is a cattle podcast, but I have to shout out. The miniature horses. <laughs> miniature horses. That's All right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Our family can't get enough of the state fair. So we're going this weekend to their spring event just so we can have awesome. all the good food like yeah. three months before the fair starts. So there's that benefit too. I think there's a real interesting thing happening at the, at the fair too. You're going to see a lot of fair uh, food connections, just like we're seeing in public where you're seeing Farmers Union kind of got into it, the Blue Barn, where they're doing a lot of direct marketing and highlighting different farms and uh, the local food system. So, you know, the corn dogs, Chrono Pup, we could have that debate, but, uh, you know, you're going to see more and more different foods that are people want to ha have an experience that know where, know where it's coming from. And that's a great story too. So I think it's, you know, they're going to see even more farm connections uh, as uh, the fair moves forward in the couple of years. That, that also goes with beer. And I, and, uh, <laughs> I see a lot of connections with uh, beer and, and agriculture too. And at the state fair, you get almost 300 different kinds of beer now, where 30 years ago, you had not even 30 different kinds kind of interesting to see how that agricultural roots come back. Uh, you hear people complain there's no machinery hill, but it's just in a different form now. I still think at its core, the state fair <laughs> is a celebration of agriculture. And maybe that's just because of my experience with the fair. It's always been the agriculture event of the year for yeah. me. <laughs> Tom, what do you see as the biggest opportunities in Minnesota? We've been talking a lot about kind of more reactive stuff and looking at 
right now and immediately past. What what do you see coming in the future as the biggest opportunities for Minnesota egg? Yeah, you know, there's there's many, but I think tying the the way farmers produce their food um, and their crops are, are going to be something really key. You know, and whether it's uh, uh, what's your climate impact, how how much uh, inputs are you using, how are you producing your crop, your beef, your poultry, whatever it is, the consumers are going to still continue to want to know what's their carbon impact. Uh, how are we treating our animals? You know, then so it, and to me, that's a good thing. Minnesota is well positioned with help from the university and others to tell that story, to be a leader. But, you know, keep in mind, Minnesota's home to Cargill, General Mills, Hormel, you know, Genio, and all those companies are going to help lead the way through this too, all the way down to our local food that sells at farmer's market. So, just being able to tell that story, connect them on how your crop's being produced and that climate piece is going to be really important. But I don't think it should be scary to people. I think it should be a tremendous opportunity and we're seeing that develop all around. That's a great, great question, Joe. Thanks, thanks for that answer, Tom. I, I I do think that there's there's an opportunity in that conversation to show off what we do. And, and it's a way to like, it's almost like looking at it as like a foot in the door to have that conversation with people that you would never have that conversation with to begin with. So I really like that answer. Any questions for us, Tom, before we get to Emily's question? Do you have questions that's for a, us? That, that's a curveball. No, I just say I appreciate uh, what you guys do and telling agriculture story through a, a fun and informative way and just uh, keep it up. So I think it's great and appreciate the opportunity. Yes, thank you very much. There you go. So now the Moose Room officially commissioner endorsed. That's right. Let's That's let's right. put that yeah. on our on our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and and Tom, you really just wrapped it up really great there. So I guess I'm just going to ask: Do you have any final things you'd like to say? A final message that you want to share with with our listeners and with farmers in the state? Appreciate the opportunity to visit. You know, my goal is always to make sure that Minnesota has a safe, affordable, and abundant uh, food supply. And I think that, again, just an honor to be with you guys today and, uh, you know, service commissioner in a, an amazing state. You know, we always talk about being number one in turkeys or sugar beets, but we're so diverse. And uh, like I said, whether it's from farmers markets to our, uh, our big uh, companies that feed the world and, uh, you know, but I also just try to do stay grounded too and try to be in touch. And I, I, I do try to return every call I get and not everybody's calling to tell me I'm doing a great job either. So, uh, but I appreciate the opportunity to visit with, with all of you. Thank you again, Minnesota commissioner of agriculture, Tom Peterson for joining us, uh, on this, our, our final episode in our mental health series for May mental health awareness month. If you have questions, comments, or scathing rebuttals about today's episode, you can email those to themoosroom at umn.edu. That's T-H-E-M-O-O-S-R-O-O-M at umn.edu. If you would like to leave us a voicemail with your questions, comments, scathing rebuttals, or a question you'd like us to discuss on a future episode of The Moose Room, you can call 612-624-3610. You can find us on Twitter at UMN Farm Safety, at UMN Moose Room. And also, if you're interested in the, the large list of mental health resources that the Department of Agriculture has, you can visit mnfarmstress.com to find that information. So thank you again, Tom, for being here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.